Dave. Good to see everybody. Uh, before we jump in the word today, one last thing that I just wanted to uh, highlight is that um, starting on Friday, LA County Department of Public Health has now said that uh, we are now mask optional indoors. And so um, that means us as well. So today, uh, you, you do not have to wear a mask if you do not like to, you not like to. Um, but if you would like to wear a mask, you are more than welcome. Totally respect that decision. For some of us who are, immu are you know, a little bit more cautious or have some uh, immune system issues, uh, one of the things that um, I found out from Dr. Quinn, he's an elder at West LA Church. He's a specialist um, in infectious disease and is in, has been in the research area of COVID. And he said what they have learned uh, clearly through the data is that if you wear an N95 mask, it actually does not matter what other people are doing, whether they're masked or not. The N95s are so good that there's no difference between whether people are masked or not around in terms of your ability to catch anything. So, um, so those of you who uh, would like to keep wearing masks, keep wearing them. Uh, and those of us that uh, would not like to wear masks, we don't need to. And so it's a beautiful thing right now. I think we're in this place as a church, as a society, where we can really love people in different places. And I think that's what the, the, the church is supposed to be. So we can really have great respect and love for people who choose what to do with the mask in different places. I think, I was thinking about that day, I have to get on a plane here in a couple of weeks. I'm probably going to wear masks on planes still. I've like, you know, that, that, that's such a chamber there. And I like that ability to sort of uh, be respected for the places that I choose to put a mask on and choose not to. So, yeah, so we're free there. Now, in light of things getting so much better in the county, and can we just praise God for COVID going down, 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 you know what I mean? That's just, um, we, um, this, today is going to be our last live stream uh, in terms of uh, that, you know, our church, we are, we are a church that is a community-based church. We are a church about being with each other, and, uh, and so uh, obviously we needed a live stream for a while. Um, but um, uh, what we, what we, so we won't be doing live stream anymore, but we will, like we have in the past, we'll always record the sermon uh, for those who work with the children or those who are out of town, uh, and that'll be up after the service, you know, later that day or on Monday uh, for people to have that as well, or because the sermons are so amazing, you want to be able to share those sermons, you know what I mean, right, Caesar? I mean, he's, you're always, that's right, this guy's, he at least makes me feel good around here that I'm teaching some good stuff. So, um, yeah, so we just want to encourage you, uh, uh, if you're on live stream, come on back, maybe, uh, and be with us. You know, the last thing I do want to say is there are some folks who have genuine PTSD from all of this COVID stuff, and uh, there's prayer ministry. In fact, Miguel has a powerful testimony. I'm trying to have him give it on our next testimony Sunday, but, you know, he was hospitalized with COVID, and he just needed some prayer and some work with Jesus just to help him uh, not walk in, in, in incredible fear and anxiety. And so if that, you're in that place, come, let's, let's pray together and work that out together. All right. Well, church, thank you so much for those of you who went up to Pasadena last week for our large joint service. That was awesome. Uh, what a powerful time to see all of our churches coming together, to see all that Jesus is doing in, in all of our churches so many lives are being radically changed, right? So many of you have told me how much the stories and the testimonies were so impactful. 
so many people are receiving new life through the love of Jesus. We as an association of churches in the LA area are going to gather again in October for a huge uh, conference this October. And our Fullerton Church is going to join us. And this one's going to actually be in El Sereno. Let's give it up, our backyard, baby. So, uh, so we won't have to drive up to Pasadena. So uh, we're going to be right here in El Sereno. Um, and uh, because we're going to be a very big group. And those of you who know Pastor Stanley and Amafri from the Dominican Republic, we are flying them out here. They're going to be speaking at our time together with all the churches. And then they're going to be uh, ministering to us Sunday at church. So October is going to be really fun. Uh, we're going to have a great. So we're going to get the larger family together again in October. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I, I walked away from the time last Sunday so renewed. It helped me to see why it's so important that we build New Life Community Church together here. Why what we do here over time, week in and week out, in the trenches of each other's lives, in small church community, it impacts lives way beyond just us. Were you able to see that last week? As an example, right, Gus is currently finishing up a trip in North Africa right now, okay? He's been doing some amazing work that he will testify about uh, when he returns. This brother from Lincoln Heights, well, I guess originally Boyle Heights, but then grew up in Lincoln Heights, he is praying for people. He's helping people receive the love of Jesus in Muslim North Africa. I can't even tell you the name of the country because we're live streaming right now, right? That's where this brother is. And if you don't know North Africa, that's really, really far away. You know what I'm saying? That's like really different place. Gus is not doing this all by himself. Gus has been raised up by Jesus in our church family. Can I get an amen? Right? Many of us have helped shape who Gus is today. Gus carries with him all of the Bible studies, all of the teachings, all of the prayer. All of the times when him and Isabel were going through it and we rallied around and loved them and helped them get through it, right? All of the stuff that has been poured into him by so many of us over all these years, he, we didn't know it years ago. But pouring into Gus is now affecting Muslims in North Africa. Do you hear me, church? See, and the same can be said of all of us, all of you, all of me. If you say yes to Jesus here, week in and week out, if you commit here, week in and week out, you will change. It's guaranteed. If you show up with a heart that wants to change, Jesus is going to change you. Your thinking will change. Your instincts will change. What you see as the main purpose of your life will change. You will move from insecurity to a strong identity in Jesus. You will discover gifts that Jesus has given you. You will change people's lives. Who I am today is a combined effort of tons of people, many of you right here in this room. Who you are today is the result of the combined effort of tons of people. We say yes to Jesus here. We trust each week, right, that our yeses collectively, being in the Word together, being in spiritual family together, hearing the voice of Jesus and obeying small things in our families, in our workplace, right? That's all going to add up, that Jesus is going to add up all those yeses, and eventually we will see great impact for him, right? I want to remind us that a year or so ago, the, uh, our, our, our lead pastor of our association of churches, Pastor Jimmy, uh, with, with our senior leadership team, was seeking God for what is the vision 
for, that he wanted to give our churches in the U.S. moving through this COVID uh, era. And they're talking and praying about it, and he, he's asking the Lord for it. That night he goes to bed, and he has this dream that night. And in the dream, he's standing on the shore uh, and looking out over the Atlantic, and he, uh, he, he can tell the Lord is saying, go, go, and he can see where he's at, but he's like, I need to understand. And in the dream he hears, you will understand in the Queen Mary. Jimmy's from Waco, Texas, has no idea what the Queen Mary is. So he wakes up and he Googles the Queen Mary. And as we talk about, right, that's the right order. Pray first and then Google. Don't Google first and then pray. You know what I'm saying? And he starts to find out that the Queen Mary was the luxury ship liner uh, of the world uh, before World War II hit. So the richest people in America and Europe would go back and forth on the Atlantic on this huge cruise ship. It was so rich it had gold-plated walls and stuff. And there was one staff for every uh, two or three customers. I mean, they just, they just wined and dined, folks. Had a swimming pool. This is back in the 1930s and 40s in this ship. It was a big deal. But when World War II hit, the government conscripted the Queen Mary. They took her into port. They stripped all the nice things out, took the swimming pool out and put in barracks for soldiers and turned it into this troop carrier to get as many troops as possible over to the war to defeat Hitler. And it made these voyages back and forth, right? Over 400,000 troops it carried by the time the war was over. I got some pictures of, uh, uh, of, this, of this ship here. And bam. So that's the, that's, that's the cruise ship. There's the banquet hall in that Queen Mary, right? It's pretty nice for back in 1930s, you know what I'm saying? And then here's the next picture. This is what it was converted into. There's... there's all the troops being carried, packing them in. It's incredible. And the word for the Lord to our church was, we can either respond to COVID by saying, I need more luxury, I need more entertainment, I need more comforts, I need more stuff for me, or we can respond to COVID by saying, the world needs more of Jesus, I'm ready, I'm all in, I'm, getting, I'm going from comfort to mission. That we have to move as a church that our lives are to be conscripted into the kingdom of God and the service of the great king to go and meet the pains of the worlds and bring his love. Do you know today is the anniversary of the East LA walkouts right here in our community? Some of you remember those days. Those were an incredible time when students and a community said, we're just going to, you know what, we're done just taking all this oppression and we're not just going to just numb ourselves and just worry about our meal. We're going to do something. We're going to turn our lives missional and start working for justice in our community. See, there has to be a complete reset and change of the purpose of our lives, of this church, right? We cannot live in luxury and be self-focused when people are dying, when oppressors are oppressing, when violence is growing, when demonic deception is increasing. We need to strip things down, we need to cut things out to say yes to go across the street, across the hallway, across the aisle, across the neighborhood boundaries, across state lines, across the globe, to bring truth, love, and power of Jesus to people who need it. Amen? So the question that Jesus wants us to keep wrestling with is, are we going to just keep stressing for more and more of that cruise ship lifestyle? Are we going to surrender and trust Jesus that true joy is found on the battleship together? hand in hand with your brother and sister, kicking the devil's butt 
pouring into other people's lives. This church has so much potential. We have people in this room who can change parts of L.A. for Jesus, parts of the world for Jesus, if we just say yes. We could plant more Jesus-centered, word- and spirit-centered churches in L.A. and around the world if we say yes to the small things day after day. I have said yes to the next 15 years of trying to lead new life in Epicenter West L.A. to plant more churches in L.A. and beyond. In fact, Sergio and I today are driving down to Irvine because you might have met the young pastor uh, last week. There's a group of 13 people that have said yes to try to plant a church in Irvine, and we're going down to coach them and support them and help them, right? That's what new life is about. It's what the Lord has called us into. And if we say yes day after day in 20 years, 15, 20 years, we're going to be sitting around and hearing so many more testimonies, not just us going to North Africa, so many more. So let's get some more of this word now and get ourselves ready. Uh, would you stand with me as I read the scripture for today? It comes out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord Jesus, we're here today because we need you. Come, Lord Jesus. We, these words that were just read are your words, given to us with your spirit that we would know your heart. Come, Lord Jesus. Speak to us. You know where each one of us are asked in this room. Come and speak. We need to hear you. We pray this in your name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, the truth of life, you can only give away what you have. Amen? You can only give away what you receive, what you own. You can't give what you don't have. We have been looking at this scripture in Ephesians since the start of February. Verse 16 says, Jesus wants to strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I think we all need some strengthening in our inner being. We all need some emotional resiliency to keep going when things are hard. Can I get an amen there? Yeah. We need love and forgiveness and patience for people who are difficult. Should I say that one again? Yeah. We need courage when people uh, want to mock us for loving Jesus. We need strength to resist the temptation of the devil. Verse 16 says that we are strengthened in our inner being through the Spirit of God. It's the Word of God together with the Spirit of God that roots us in the love of Jesus. The love of God is to be your power base, your inner security, your identity, right? That is to be the root of who you are, is the love of God. Your identity and what your value comes from is not from your looks. Some of you, us really struggle with that, I know. It's tough to look in the mirror and just go, I'm a beautiful person. That's not to be where our, our identity comes from. Our identity is not to come from our wisdom 
or our personality, or our achievements, or our bank account, or our job, or our smoking hot wife. You know what I'm saying? It's not to come from any of those things. None of that is to be our foundational identity. You can't be strengthened day in and day out in your inner being until you surrender your identity to the love of Jesus. Until you say, I need the love of Jesus more than I need food. Which is why how you use your time is what tells me what your, the worth of your life is built around. You don't show up to be with Jesus, whether it's in church, life group, one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. That is not the foundation of your life. I don't care what you say. Jesus is not a fool. We're here to help each other go, Jesus is better than food, better than the romance, better than the money, it, and I'm going to show it in how I align my life, get off the cruise ship that's all about me, and get onto his battleship. That's where the joy is found. See, and this love of Jesus is something to be regularly experienced, to be felt. This is not just mental knowledge. First, verse 19 says, the end goal of the Spirit of God getting into our inner being is to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Did you catch that? That we are to know the love of Jesus in a way that surpasses knowledge. To know this love in the context that Paul is writing this is to experience it, to own it. Do you know the other way that they use the word to know something like this in the scripture is when a man and a woman come together in marriage and have sexual intimacy. Then that's when they know the love, surpassing mental knowledge. It's to be united with the love of Jesus. It's when the love of Jesus is all around you, when it's saturating you. See, life with God is supposed to go like this. First, we need the knowledge of who God is. That's why we spent a month about how important it is to center our lives in the Word of God, that is, you know, the Bible, where we continually need to be in our Bible so that we understand the character of God, His desires for our lives, so that we don't get trapped in the superstitious way of thinking about Him that the world presents to us. But so many of us stop there. Many of us don't even get into the Word, but we've got to get in the Word. But then we stop with just the Word. It's as if I started a relationship with Maggie and I only read letters that she sends me describing who she is. And that was it. And I'm, I'm getting these letters or these emails, whatever it is, right? And it's like every week, every day, and I'm like, this woman is amazing. And I never, ever actually try to meet her. The letters are crucial. I need to know who she is. I need to know exactly what, who this woman is like. But then at some point, I got to see her. I got to hug her. I need to feel her in my presence. Y'all following me? This is what Paul's talking about in our scripture in Ephesians. We are strengthened in our inner being through the experience, the real relationship with the Spirit of God. See, as we've talked about, there's this spiritual dimension that we live in, and it's confusing because there's a film that blocks us from fully understanding the spiritual dimension that at times we feel. So the scripture helps us understand the spiritual dimension. And then the scripture gives us many things to help us put ourselves in a place for the film to get a lot thinner. And so we can experience the spiritual dimension, right? So the Bible, as we've been talking about, the Bible teaches us Pursue musical worship in God and that film will get a lot thinner and you will start to experience the love of God. You will know it beyond knowledge, right? Um, the Bible teaches us to put ourselves in times of silence and solitude, to detox from all the noise and just 
let God just kind of get through our crazy thought life while we just wait. The film just gets thinner and thinner, and then we hear the voice of God and experience his love. Um, Today, I want to give us another tool that the scripture gives us to put in our belt, another practical way that the scripture gives us in how to put ourselves in a place to literally experience the spirit of God that will strengthen our inner being, strengthen our intimacy, and our, and our, our living in his love. Are you ready? I don't think you're going to be able to guess what I'm going to talk about today. I have never taught on this on a Sunday sermon in 20, this is my 25th year of giving teach sermon teachings in my life, and I've never taught on this. We're going to talk about tongues. <laughs> Somebody say, what? Okay, there we go, yep. <laughs> tongues is one of the many ways we are strengthened in the spirit. Tongues, what tongues is, is praying in an unknown language. Praying and speaking in a way that Seems like the tongue is just moving around and babbling, kind of like, that's tongues. There is the spiritual gift of tongues that the New Testament talks about, where people in the Spirit of God will pray in an unknown language, but then there is also the spiritual gift of interpretation, where people in the room, and I've been a part of this, it's so powerful, somebody will pray in tongues, and then as they're praying, you're hearing in your own mind the words of English, and then when they're done, you say the words and somebody else confirms, I heard the same thing. And you're in this moment of like, oh my gosh, God is speaking to us right now. His love is in the room. This is now beyond our knowledge. We're in the presence of God. Uh, but then, so there's that spiritual gift of tongues that then needs interpretation with it. But then many people have realized that God also gives, and in 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to see here in a second, speaks to it gives many people a prayer language, an ability to pray in what seems like babble, in private, that creates space for the power of the Spirit of God to break through that film so that as we are praying in tongues, we begin to feel the gentle touch of God on us physically and in our inner being. All right, now I want you to lock into this here. There's a reason why I'm teaching it now, and I haven't taught it in 25 years. I'm going to get to it. Here is the problem with tongues, right? And I'm talking about, I'm talking about praying in tongues in private where you're just you and Jesus. But here's the problem. The gift of tongues has been really abused in a lot of churches. Um, some have said wrongly that every person that wants to be in heaven needs to pray in tongues as a proof that the Spirit of God is actually with them. That that's like the proof that you have received Jesus. That is not what the Scripture says. The Bible makes it very clear that you only need to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord and to follow Him, right? You don't need the gift of tongues to actually be in heaven. Um, so when you contradict the Bible, you're wrong. Also, here's another abuse in a lot of churches with tongues. It's really easy to fake tongues. Any of us right now could just start, right? And you see this a lot in uh, churches where there's no heart to want to receive the Spirit of God, but the heart is actually, I want attention from others in this church. And in this church, if you pray in tongues a lot, you are somehow labeled as more righteous. You're closer to God. So I'm going to fake it. So that people are like, oh, that person's very righteous and close to God. Ooh, that's, that's wrong heart, 
of praying in tongues. See, and the, and the other problem with tongues, at the beginning, it's a little weird. You know what I mean? Let's just be honest. And so this is not the first impression that Jesus wants to make to people who are seeking him. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is strongly correcting the church in Corinth because when they came together for their large service, this is you know, one of the first churches after Jesus rose from the dead, they would have everyone praying in tongues together and just be going crazy in tongues. They'd have like tongues competition and comparison, right? Paul makes it really clear that you do not do tongues when you gather in a large service like this. You don't do tongues because um, you're going to create a room of chaos. And there are people who are visiting who are in the early stages with Jesus. They're learning about Jesus. And that doesn't help them to learn about Jesus when they're just seeing all this chaos because they don't understand what's going on. And so Paul is exhorting them, do not pray in tongues when you gather and people who are not Christian or early in their faith are coming. You need to speak in words that are plain. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, pursue the spiritual gift of prophecy, right? Where you hear actual words from the Lord and speak that to people, and that will then help people understand the heart of God. But a lot of us, we see this correction that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 14, and he's rebuking the church about praying in tongues, and then we just dismiss tongues altogether. But we miss some very powerful statements about the benefits of tongues for our personal prayer lives. Check this out. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Did you hear that? That's the little hint that there's something going on in Paul's personal prayer life that is sort of a prayer language there. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Verse 5, he says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but evermore I wish you could all prophesy because prophecy really benefits the larger group because people can hear the words from God. Verse 15 says, Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, which here means tongues, and I will also pray in words I understand. Do you see that? Then in verse 18, Paul, who is the theologian of theologians, this dude is super wise, he's Bible man, Bible man, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. <laughs> That's the thing about Paul, man. You got churches that are all about the word and no spirit, and they claim Paul. Then you got crazy charismatic churches that have no word, and they claim Paul. Paul is like, he's, he's all over, he, he holds it all together, word and spirit. That's what we're trying to make. Paul is clearly telling us in between the lines of this larger rebuke of don't do it, that there is spiritual power in praying in tongues. Tongues is not something that we use when we gather here on Sunday service, for why I just explained that. It'll bring too much confusion and chaos. We have lots of people come and check out our church. So we're obeying the scripture. But tongues is something that we should all pursue for our personal time with Jesus to be strengthened in our inner being through the Spirit. And then it's also really effective when we gather in small groups of Jesus' followers, a life group or a prayer meeting, that we allow people to pray in tongues to help cultivate the Spirit uh, because there is no new people there. There is no non-Christians or new people in the faith that are there. Um, you know, it's such a powerful thing. I will often start praying in tongues in my personal prayer room and often, it takes a minute or two before anything changes. I can tell that I'm just doing it. I'm just moving my tongue. It's all of my effort. But then eventually, as I stay in it, 
The love of Jesus becomes more and more present to me. My emotional funk is slowly lifted and his love and joy start to fill me. Often, I feel like I'm literally receiving a hug from God. It's the best way I can describe this particular feeling. I just feel completely wrapped up in his love. I'll start to cry. I'll start to just get loose like jello. Sometimes I will find myself, I started my chair and I find myself sliding down and down where I'm almost laying in the chair because I feel electricity. It's the best way I can describe it, just going through me. And I'm just, yes, I want more of you, God. I'm in your presence. And I'm just, that, you know, I'll bring a little bit of words and I'm back in tongues, a little bit of words, right? Sometimes I will all of a sudden, I'll be in my chair and I know I'm doing it. And all of a sudden I'm popping up and I'm like, Jesus, you're amazing. I worship you, Jesus. It's like, whoa, something is just moving me, and I'm experiencing the Spirit of God. Why am I teaching this now? Because, you know, we never ever talk about it around here. I have learned over all these years that tongues is extremely effective for battling addictions to the flesh. It's extremely effective for dealing with addictions to drink, to drugs, to sex, to porn. I read a, an incredibly powerful book about a woman who worked with drug addicts in Hong Kong. And man, you know, they were just deep in it. They were in a place in Hong Kong where they didn't police it. So there was just, it was just flowing. And she realized after trying everything that we would think to try of to help folks get free, she started praying in tongues over them one day because she was, had no words left. It was one person. And the person immediately sobered up. And they were shocked. The power of God was in the room. So then they started going after it more and they began to bring drug addicts who wanted to be free. They would come into their, their church. They would teach them about Jesus. They would accept Jesus. And then they would right away teach them how to pray in tongues. And this began a revival of sobriety. And they would teach them, when you are feeling a craving, pray in tongues so the Spirit of God begins to overcome the spirit of your flesh. The other thing that I have learned about tongues over my own journey and then a few other people that I know is tongues is extremely effective for those of us who are a very emotional people and we swing a lot with depression. I have struggled depression throughout my life and I have realized that when you're in depression, you're in that funk and life is just too hard it's very hard to pray. Anybody know, relate with me? It's very hard when you're down to just have a lot of words to say. That's the whole, you're down. You don't want to speak. Now, the best thing to do when you are in that funk and depression is just to drag your body to somebody you trust and ask them to pray for you and then to minister the word of God to you, the truths of God. But what I've also found is very effective is just to sit there and just say, Jesus, save me and then just start to pray in tongues. And I feel my emotional being stabilize, strength in my inner being over time. If you are feeling like, oh, God might be speaking to me about this, I want to encourage you that you have to just go for it and stay in it for a while. When I first started uh, trying with tongues, I would set a timer for five minutes and I would, so that I would not think about time, and I knew I was going to go and, and just, blah, 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 just go after it for five minutes, no matter how I felt. And when the timer went off, okay, I went for it. First couple days, the timer went off, I was done. Didn't really feel very much, God, but I'm going to trust your scripture and the testimony of friends that I've heard. 
And then all of a sudden, that timer went off, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to keep going. Because all of a sudden, the love of Jesus, I was knowing it. And I wanted more. The bottom line is, most folks that I really talk about this, we just don't do it because it's just weird. And it feels weird to feel like, to be in that place. We don't want to be fools. And it is probably the greatest practical block from all of us getting more of Jesus is our fear of being weird. I think tongues is an intentional way for us to step into humility to say, I have no, nothing to give you, God. I'm not going to perform for you. I'm not going to, I'm a child. I'm just a crazy child. And I'm just humble. Pride is the biggest barrier that keeps us from the love and power of Jesus. But, and let's think about this, church. Most of us have had times when we are all alone and we know we're all alone and all of a sudden we are singing like a diva. We are just going nuts. We are dancing like crazy, right? And people are kind of smiling because you don't want to be like, yeah, you all have done it. You know what I'm saying, right? We're getting all passionate. We are dancing like a fool. Some of us have been all alone and all of a sudden we're fighting somebody. We're just shadow boxing like an animal. And, and it's like, we know if people walked in, we'd be like, uh. <laughs> some of us have been all alone and we have screamed and cussed something nasty. It got a little quiet in there. Mm-hmm. We know what it's like to be in that moment when we let all the filters go and all the inhibitions go, and there is a freedom in that place that we love to be in that place. So why not, I mean, shoot, most of us have testimonies of drinking way too much and all the inhibitions go, right? We, we go to a lot of things to be free and to be foolish. Why not get alone, turn up that worship music loud, make sure nobody can hear us, and just go, and just go for it and say, Jesus, I'll be a fool for you to get actual. It's hard to describe. You got to go through it. It is like when it breaks through, it is, it is like more than caffeine. You can feel it to your bones and into your soul that you are in a, the spiritual realm of the love of God and you're like, I could be here all day. Remember, church, we can only give away what we possess. The world is hurting. There is so much pain in this world. The world does not need more inspirational quotes posted. The world does not need more inspirational and dramatic movies. It doesn't need, it is dying for the real love and power of Jesus. We're called to go deep in Jesus so that we can give him away. The word, worship, solitude, tongues, and we're going to keep going with more tools. Go deep so that you have something to give away. I remember years ago, I was in the Dominican Republic with our D school. It was in June, and that January, I'll, I'll have these seasons where the Lord will say, be praying, in, start praying in tongues. I just had, I, I'm, I'm still in a season, right? But in this year, it was, I was like, all right, I'm praying tongues every day, January, I'm just doing it, jumping into it, and all of a sudden, we're in the Dominican Republic, and we're walking the streets of uh, a voodoo-infested area of, of the Dominican Republic, and the, it's the spiritual reality is heavy. And we're asking people for prayer. And this one woman says, oh, can you come with me? And she takes us behind her house. And she has a young daughter in her 20s. And this woman, we find out in the story, had been cursed by a voodoo priest. So her right arm was dead. It was completely atrophied. It was just bone and skin. It could not move. There was no, she couldn't move anything. And she was bitter. She's in her young 20s. 
and she has an arm that looks like it's dead, and she's bitter, she can't use it, she's basically one arm, she's, she's angry, she's sullen, and so we try to minister her to Jesus, and she hears it, it's like, okay, can we pray for healing? Sure, and we pray, and, uh, and as people start to pray for healing, I just feel the tongues come up, but I, I'm like, I don't know, it's a public place, so I just kind of, I'm like, God, all right, uh, I learned to just trust the impulse, and so then I just do it quietly behind everybody, and she's just looking blankly as they're praying for her. Nothing happens. So then the mom is like, well, pray for me, because the mom was hungry. The team goes to pray for her, and I just, the spirit of God just was like, oh. And so I just, I went to her, and I said, can I keep praying for you? And I just realized, oh, yeah, she's around voodoo. It's not going to be so weird. I'm going to pray in a spiritual language. And so I grabbed her dead hand, and I just started praying in tongues. I'm praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, her eyes, I'm looking at her and down the arm, all of a sudden, I goes, <gasps> And I look at her arm, and it was like a snake pop up and just slithered out of her arm, like, like, the, the, you know, like it was inside of her. I, I could feel it, and it was like, boom, and she's like, ah! And then I was like, squeeze my hand, and she starts squeezing my hand, and she just starts crying. I said, Jesus loves you. And she goes, tell me about Jesus again, even though we already told her. Now she was ready to hear it, and we set that woman free, and now her arm works, and she's with Jesus, and I realized... For six months, God said, you go deep with Jesus every day. I had no idea why. It was edifying to me, and it was for one woman to be freed in love of Jesus. We can only give away what we have. What we have found out about the Queen Mary after all that war stuff, what we, they, we found out about worship team, come on up, come on up. You got to get me out of here, right? I'm getting fired up. Just get up here, worship team. We're going to worship. What well, we found out about the Queen Mary, listen, listen as I'm finishing this up. The Queen Mary was really unique. The reason why the Queen Mary was able to do all these trips with the soldiers during the war was because it had, they didn't call this new tech, but we would call it new tech or new engineering in the boiler room at the bottom of the ship. This Queen Mary could, run, could ride faster than all the enemy ships, faster than the submarines, faster than the missiles that the submarines would send to the ship. So it didn't need to have cover. It didn't need other ships covering it, and it could just fly across this Atlantic. It was moving because this boiler room was cutting-edge tech. It's the boiler room. You, got, you, you get in the picture? It's the boiler room that has to be lit up for the ship to go. It's the boiler room that has to be lit up to get into the battle to win. We can't just worry about the outside stuff. We've got to go, Jesus, take me deeper in the boiler room. Light it up in prayer. Light it up in word. Light it up in worship. Light it up in tongues so that when it's time to go, I'm going with your power and your strength. What's so tragic, I have one more picture of the modern-day Queen Mary. I was just talking about this with our staff team last week about the boiler room on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I have to go down to Long Beach for a conference, and I drive into the hotel they have us staying in, and the hotel and all the buildings just block the bay. I was totally, I forgot where the Queen Mary was. I check into my hotel room, and I come up, and I open up the windows, and that's the picture that I see. And for three days, there's the Queen Mary. I am praying, and I'm like, God, you see, that Queen Mary is now a museum. That Queen Mary is sitting there all the time in the museum. The boiler room has been completely uh, uh, gone, and it's just got museum artifacts. And the whole time I'm like, God, don't let my life be a museum. 
don't let my life at 60 and 70 just be flash on the outside and all the great stuff was when I was younger. I don't want to die in this world. I don't want to sit and just be lifeless. Don't let my church become a museum. Don't let our churches become dead. God, light the boiler room that we would be alive in you. Our families would be alive in you. Take us deeper, Jesus. We need to say yes to his love and make that our consuming passion so that when we're 80 years old, we are celebrating the victory of Jesus, not just a museum. Come on, church, stand with me. Stand with me. We're going to take some time to worship God. Oh my gosh, we're going to worship God and let us be free to give Jesus our hearts. Let us be free to go after him in honesty. Man, if you've got sin in your life, don't keep, let that keep you from worshiping God. He wants you to know his love. Just confess it and go save me, Jesus. Worship him right now together. If you need prayer, Come on down to the sides over here. We're going to keep this middle open. And anybody wants to come down, just get on their knees. Be a fool for Jesus. Be hungry for Jesus. If you want to start praying in tongues, we can do that now because everybody knows now what's going on. Uh, you are free to do that. We won't do it next week together, but you are free. If you want to be prayed over that in your private time, you will start praying in tongues. Come, uh, uh, I'll pray for you. Gina also, who's got the gift of tongues, she, she said she's willing. You can go to her. She'll pray over you for tongues. But let us worship him. Let's let the boiler room just be lit up that we would love him, that we'd be set apart and ready for the impact that he will have through our lives that we don't even know yet. Let's just say yes today, church, just right now in this moment. Put away the hunger for food. Put away the needs for the rest of the day and just go deep with Jesus. Worship with everything you got. Come, Lord Jesus.